So I don't want my okay. chair to squeak this week. So I'm just going to yes. hunch pensively over the mic like this. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just in a like, sort of gargoyle of film criticism. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> oh, I've 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 shed off my stony form to talk about the goldfinch. I must shake off. I must shake off. They're mostly you French guys. goldfinch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> bon oui to you all. Now they are often French, sort of that style of gargoyle, which is something they missed in the hit television show Gargoyles. Nineties <laughs> racism. Kids won't buy these toys with their baguettes and cigarettes. <laughs> Why have you made this? Very nouveau, darling. <laughs> the thing about kids is they actually want to be assaulted. Um, <laughs> I want you to leave. 90s was an awful time. <laughs> it was an awful time. Thank God we lived. It's inexplicable. <laughs> Thank God we grew, grew up in it when memory was shaky and our parents had to do most of the, the opinion for me. <laughs> and they thought it was great. They loved it. <laughs> Big fans. <laughs> podcast that never socializes with people they can't stand so i guess we're everyone else's bad friend i'm paul bad friend i'm on thorazine (laughs) paul movo ami move move bad (laughs) paul schlechter friend schlechter friend i'm hungry hungry. (laughs) do you want to get a quick sandwich i'll do the intro And I'll uh, be back. Hello, welcome to one good thing. I haven't prepared this one. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan. Here's one for you. My mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> she uh, got blown up in an art gallery, and it really affected me for a number of ge- no, number of generations. I don't get it. No, no one did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are stuffing into our bag and sneaking out of an exploded museum. The goldfinch. Oh, I don't get it. We're just trying to build little bits of the puzzle. What do you remember about the incident when you came around? Did you see people? Yes. What were they doing? They were dead. We are an awful lot alike, Theo. What we both went through. It's like he sent me exactly where I needed to be and to who I needed to be with. Is your mother dead too? Yes. I know you were there. And I know what else was in that room. The goldfish. Yes, it's Brooklyn director John Crowley's 2019 adaptation of Donna Tartt's hit novel for young and old alike. Hmm. What was that called? That was called... Amusing Thing. Jesus, I'm going to have to move quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Dan Brown Chronicles. It was, it was actually a bold expose of the fact that Dan Brown himself is the descendant of Christ. Oh. And that he's very care- carefully been sneaking in references into his masterpiece books that allude to the fact that jesus had a baby and also that jesus's surname was brown yeah <laughs> and jesus often went by the name of dan and he kept calling him dan in, <laughs> so in he's dan marks. brown jr danny brown jr my son go and write <laughs> write books that will be read by all and understood understood by none <laughs> 
six months before this film got released, it was screened for a test audience, and Warner Brothers decided to, quote, trim their prospective marketing plan. Now, I don't know what that means. They cancelled the McDonald's Happy Meal (laughs) tie-in. Oh, boy! I got Boris, the emotionally (laughs) scarred young Russian boy. Amazing action when you flick the switch of him hitting himself. His baggie has actual powder in it. You can you can <laughs> rustle it around between thumb and forefinger. And sprinkle it on your McNuggets. <laughs> Is it actual drugs? Try and see, kids. <laughs> you know what? We're going to try. We've been, we've been half-arsing it for decades. We're just going to try selling kids actual drugs. Kids want to be assaulted. I mean... <laughs> God damn it, I thought we left you in the 90s. <laughs> damn it, opinion. Get back. <laughs> Embodiment of that opinion. <laughs> Physical concept. Jesus of. Christ. Get off my cat. The thing is... <laughs> God damn it Stop riding it Fucking 80s producers Riding my cats around the living room <laughs> Just put a big spider in it You you won't regret it The thing is Test audiences So far as I know Are like fucking people You pull in from a mall And you say Do you have some time To come watch yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 And they're like Alright yeah. You're pulling it in for The Goldfinch Found you in Argos <laughs> Buying more jewellery Jewellery do you want to watch this two and a half hour coming of age story? <laughs> You're right. Give it a go. Ten, ten quid? I mean, we're going to give you 50, so yeah. <laughs> Win- winner. God damn it, I need to stop saying the number first. <laughs> it's uh, Clive Owen in Argos. <laughs> How many times have I been gypped out of proper <laughs> test screening recom- recompense? Because of my... <laughs> My forthrightness and love of the £10 note. (laughs) I like it because I feel that I resemble whoever is currently on the £10 note. I've often thought that, yes, Clive, you could be on the £10 note if you were just get Alfonso to make Children of Men 2. The film, the film was ultimately received by critics like a traumatising memory in the middle of a fun swim with your Russian bestie. Nightmare. <laughs> Worst time for it, really. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be remind, reminded of anything when you're swimming, or submerged in water. Except for the fact that you're swimming. That's useful. Hang on a minute, I can't swim! <laughs> if only he'd have remem- <laughs> not remembered that he couldn't swim. <laughs> Tim Roby at the Daily Telegraph says... Tart's book has been put for a grater, then reassembled into a wet prestige patty of a picture. All dainty set dressing and limp psychology. I'm hungry. Oh, that's a good mouthy review, isn't it? Yeah, and isn't it? it? That's nice. A, mm, mm, I love that. Dainty set dressing and limp psychology. That's it. Limp psychology. I really enjoy that on a Saturday morning. On God's Day. They moved it. So, while speaking of not God, uh, Peter Travers at the Rolling Stones says... Oh, shit. Yep, here we go. To the list of great books mangled by Hollywood, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, Tom Wolfe's Bonfire of the Vanities, and OMG, he wrote this, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> add Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch. Well, don't you worry about Atlas Shrugged. Don't. Zack Snyder's working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, now, it's his next project. Oh, really? I'm curious. Yeah, I'm man. Very, very curious. But he already adapted the Fountainhead. He just called it Man of Steel. <laughs> True. <laughs> do you know my? Do you know my favorite thing about Atlas Shrugged is that that a bunch of um, 
Libertarians wanted to build a settlement in Chile and called it Gantz Gulch in honor of the hero from Atlas Shrugged. Okay. Um, and they were doing this in 2013, but it fell apart because the people organizing it stole all the money. <laughs> that's fucking great. I mean, As that's a, a demonstration of Randian objectivism. Yeah. That's fucking superb. <laughs> that's that's so good. It, herein lies the problems with <laughs> a theory. Set your own fucking thing up. Do mine over here with this money that you gave me. <laughs> that's well, that's incredible. Um, fuck all of this. Just. Is, is reliant on having <laughs> read about 1,500 pages of Anne Rand. <laughs> oh, um, they'll get it. Never underestimate your audience, says <laughs> Clive Owen. <laughs> on the other hand, though, Great Gatsby. Mm. Great novel, eh? Mm. <laughs> oh, I can't, oh is, this, is this you being saucy about The Great Gatsby? Great Gatsby is not a great novel. Oh, you, you. I liked you, it. Bloody Americans. So, so desperate to find a great American <laughs> novel. Yeah, bloody Americans. You call anything great. Like Peter Travers. Is he? Actually, would explain a lot. He's he's actually stateless. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's disowned, disavowed, like fucking Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> he has to work quietly as a ghost nation behind the lines of film criticism. <laughs> <laughs> if you are captured, his... we will disavow all knowledge of your identity, Mr. Travis. <laughs> his passport just says Bermuda. <laughs> it's a British prin- principality. <laughs> Is it? I don't even know. I don't know. I think Sounds I got like that from it. Dark Place. <laughs> That's where I get all my geography okay. facts. <laughs> Any more reviews? Yeah, oh, well, not not from the uh, film critics. We've got um, the public who okay. didn't we'll really done with those. The public didn't really receive it at all. The book, the book has twenty seven thousand <laughs> two hundred fifty reviews on Amazon. The I film is eight pounds. That's twenty seven thousand pounds. Ooh, to its name. <laughs> the book has twenty seven thousand two hundred fifty reviews on Amazon. The film has thirty. One uh, such writer, known as Amazon Customer, and oh, I think I'll they're back. I- I'll deliver this as I feel it was written. This feels like a coward's rating, and I do slightly regret it. But also, anything else feels too clearly like a posture. So, Amazon is prompting me to start this review by considering what I liked or disliked, and also what I used this product for. What I used this product for was messing up my girlfriend's algorithmically generated Amazon suggestions and targeted follow-up emails for weeks by searching for it too zealously on her account and then subjecting her to a supercut of mostly just the Boris-adjacent content tonight, which, despite comprising maybe a third of the film's total runtime, if that, still managed to feel aimless and baggy, which is in a way almost an achievement. In a wider sense, I suppose I used or experienced the product several months ago by seeing it at a cinema twice, on purpose and without outside interference, proving neatly that sometimes the real queer failure, in the sense that failure itself can be read as queer, or as a rejection of traditional heteronormative models of success, is this movie, which, to be very clear, is both gay and homophobic, making less than $10 million internationally. And sometimes the real queer failure is a lesbian of otherwise sound mind spending like at least 28 English pounds cumulatively, intentionally watching it. Both times I saw it, I was pleasantly bored and then begrudgingly moved. I think noted fan of Crystal Encrusted Celine Sunglasses Ainsel Eckhart really is pretty good in it. Three stars. It was fine. Signed, Amazon Customer. I can't wait for the adaptation of that review. Yeah, as long as it's not directed by Crowley. Because <laughs> it's just not going to be properly realised. Let's put the end at the beginning. And the rest <laughs> will figure out along the way. That is quite the voice that reviewer has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, got a real, I got a real sense of every every 
sort of consecutive line that you read a part of it's like a character creation scene in um, a video game where where just the hairstyle keeps changing and suddenly there's a nose piercing and then that disappears and there's a face tattoo and just and that, that, that was it you end up at ray winston always <laughs> always I, I just when you were reading that i had the urge to just look up the um the poem how by alan ginsburg <laughs> yeah it is very ginsburg so there you go ginsburg <laughs> So they, they, <laughs> good, good recall. Oh, Christ. Sarah Paulson's the three man. Oh, she graced our slimy screens in Glass and New Year's Eve, where she played the competing pregnant mom to Jessica Beale. And now you're in oh, our bin. God. Now you're in our bloody bin, Sarah. <laughs> well deserved. Oh, I liked you in this. <laughs> you were extraordinary, like a firework going off in your hand. So <laughs> that you hadn't lit. <laughs> that still goes off. Jesus. <laughs> Maddening experience. So anyway, I was saying to Dave that... Uh... <laughs> Sweetie, look what I... <laughs> oh, free to a man. Free in a bush. Free. Free. Go. Films are shit, mate. Oh, Christ. The film has 6.2 on IMDb, 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, 40% yeah. on Metacritic, and mm. is one of the all-time box office failures, losing at least $50 million. Oh, no. Yeah. Send the Cole Kidman money. <laughs> it's the money that you pay the composer to score two and a half solid hours of movie time. <laughs> this is going to take me the rest of my life, but I'll do it, <laughs> because it's worth it for the gold finch. So, Paul, you bought it! <laughs> oh my god, it sounds like it. Um, what's one thing about the goldfinch that made you? I didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> I literally heard it made you. What's one thing about the goldfinch that made you? <laughs> That's, that, feels, that feels apt. Um, well, it was, it was a very jam-esque moment at the beginning of the movie, Paul, um, where... <laughs> Where old Theo, older Theo, Ansel Leggott is, uh, he yeah. opens the door ajar and looks out, uh, suspicious of his surroundings. Oh, he was suspicious. And it's very much a Mark Heap as a paedophile in Jam <laughs> um, shot, is, is what I was reminded of. Um, and I was, I was loading it up for a second time um, just to check something. And the, the, it froze on that moment. And I went, yes, that was it's absolutely <laughs> Mark Heap as a paedophile from Jam. It's just like he seems like really suspicious that there might be a film crew out there. <laughs> I'm not in a movie again, am I? Oh, God. It... Oh, Jesus, no. So, look, before we start this, we don't usually do spoiler warnings uh, in these episodes. It's usually implied by the fact that we say, okay, let's go through the entire plot. Yeah. Which we're about to do for The Goldfinch, which strikes a startling resemblance um, to the hit novel The Goldfinch. Weird um, Which, if you haven't read... We both really like The Goldfinch, so yes, if you much. haven't read it, we recommend it, and you should skip our plot description by going to this time signature. 34 minutes and 46 seconds! So, this was based on a book, and books have words. Movies don't have words. Movies have images. Mm. So when you adapt a book, you need to tell your story by using words, which you read over the pictures that people don't need to watch. She died when I was a kid. And when I lost her, I lost sight of any landmark that might have led me someplace happier. And and and, and fuck me, who stumbled off the set of a Terrence Malick movie? Ansel <laughs> Egor. Did he come who, through who this night? Fine... <laughs> did he? Did he kill you, James? <laughs> um, he is clearly getting into character and taking so much valium that he's delivering <laughs> his lines from a coma. <laughs> and we're at the end of the movie. 
But we can worry about that at the end of the movie. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Just so you know, there's going to be blood and stuff later. It's going to be awesome. But for now, whoa. we've got a traumatized whoa, kid whoa. Um, oh. who gets sent to live in a foster home, seemingly without having been cleaned up first. There you go. <laughs> Most of his arm's still on. He's still covered in fucking soot and presumably bits of dead folk. <laughs> oh, wait. Are you okay? Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, wait. He's fine, oh, he's gone. He's in the taxi. Oh, well. Got to ask that one first. <laughs> I'm not going to reformat the form. Clearly says at the end, after signature, are you okay? I'm keeping it there. <laughs> right after the bit where you give him to Nicole Kidman, because he's been given to Nicole Kidman and her strange family. Um, her, her strange every minute is an embarrassment family. <laughs> <laughs> and what a, what a bunch of minutes, because we awkwardly rocket through some scenes and get some very odd child acting. I'm going to go swimming every day. You can't swim by yourself. You're not allowed. What's he going to do while we're away? They were the worst two weeks of my life. Where's his dad? Good question. Oh my god. After a bit of time has passed, Kidman brings the kid a coat as a way of saying, right, you're going back to your dead mum's house. She (laughs) introduces it with coat. (laughs) You'll get the rest. I guess I could come with you if I must. (laughs) But the important thing (sighs) is you're going to your dead mum's house that no one's been in since you were there. When your mum died. So. Yeah. Seriously, no one. Don't let any scene last more than two minutes. Keep going. People aren't going to like the boring character bits. Get to the mystery. Who who done it? That's not what this film's about. <laughs> Are you sure? Who done it, though? That's what we really want to know. So, yeah, there's a stolen painting. He stole a painting when the bomb went off in the art gallery. And also he picked up yeah. a ring. And the ring leads him to a girl that he was attracted to. A little redhead girl he saw before um the explosion. <laughs> which really shows where his priorities <laughs> are. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing I remember about the day that a museum exploded around me killing my mum is that hot chick. It's, it's really true to life. <laughs> Don, Donna Tartt knew this. Yeah, from her explosion. But uh-oh, a movie character's arrived. It's the older brother oh, no. who's here for 30 seconds <laughs> to be a dick and then disappear until later in the movie. Who do I have to blow to get a cup of coffee around this place? Go back to your room. Yes, just... No, not this time. Go back to your room. Now! T- taking the time out of his uh, busy work on it too. <laughs> Jesus to, uh, to come in and be a stereotype. <laughs> I love it. So, look, 30 minutes in, and at this stage we get the first really overtly awkward, precocious kid dialogue. I think. I think it takes that long. Oh, I think it stands oh, out. Disagree. I think I think I think minute five, Paul is. is <laughs> I'm going to contrast it's, it's, some. It's, this is before. You have a favorite author? Tolkien, Edgar Allan Poe. My dad says he's second rate, though. He says he's the Vincent Price of American letters. <laughs> I don't think that's fair, though. No, I don't either. And this is after. What do you know about Texas? He can't walk anywhere, and they have the death penalty. But it'll be better for her there. The climate is good for convalescence. She should go to the planetarium, although it's inferior to the Hayden. Before? She said she's got horses and a swimming pool. I don't ride. Do you? No. My mom did. She used to have horses growing up in Kansas. After. You think it's going to be fun, but you'll hate it. How come they decided to ask me? Don't be a dunce. They've grown quite fond of you. There's a really fucking raucous one at 30 minutes in, my man. I... Fucking hate every single second of it. <laughs> and uh, Nicole Kidman has just looked constantly upset. 
um, like most upper class women are. <laughs> anyway, she's yeah. particularly upset now. We didn't mention that the kid thing didn't go anywhere. The ginger haired girl uh, wanted to play piano. Explosion fucked her up, and now she's got to go live in where is it somewhere? Well, this is this 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 realization's after we meet Hobie. Oh yeah, yeah, we've met. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, there's Hobie. Hobie <laughs> is Jeffrey Wright. Can't forget. Hobie's Jeffrey Wright, everyone. Yeah, he's Jeffrey fucking Wright. Taking time out of Westworld <laughs> to um, struggle with his identity in this. Taking time out of it too. <laughs> God, everyone was in that. And yeah, he hangs out in the antique shop from it too. And <laughs> it too was the more confusing me too moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lampshade and I was molested by several Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood producers. Fuck. Hashtag it too. God, wouldn't that have been a great vi- like viral marketing campaign? <laughs> Hashtag it too. And, and just have it on lo- after loads of testimonies about <laughs> being attacked by a clown. <laughs> it would have gone down badly, but it would have been memorable. It would have, people would have noticed it and then maybe somebody would have gone and seen it chapter two. Am I right? <laughs> somebody oh. for, that, for that sex scene. Oh no, Luke Wilson and Sarah Paulson are here. Fuck. Oh shit. Yeah, Luke Wilson is doing an impression of Owen Wilson, i.e. not a relatable human being. Yeah. So we just got into LaGuardia about two hours ago. I'm out in Las Vegas now, and, uh, well, things are pretty different for me. And, uh... <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I got my son. That's great. <laughs> no, run. Run. Really, you should think a lot about the, the craziness of life, you know? Wow. <laughs> wow. So Theo has to leave the adopted family. Oh no, I'll miss the overwhelming silence of this large household. The awkward dinners. <laughs> the family members who can disappear for months at a time. The safety of obsolescence. <laughs> Nicole, the way Nicole Kidman pensively stares at me from doorways. What a, what a <laughs> glorious time of my life this has been. Wilson and Paulson. Jesus, I didn't even sound that out <laughs> in my head. Fucking Wilson hell. and Bilson. Wilson and Bilson. A bad parents from a cartoon, and it's bad. Um, that is what happens when you get married. You just take the first letter of the of um of your surname, <laughs> and then the rest of theirs. Just like so you, I'm Goodman Sarah and, Pilson now. Just like you, Goodman and Nudman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a rough deal. That was a rough deal for Nell. Oh, she's now known <laughs> Nudman. Well, her, her surname doesn't begin with N, so that's um, so she'd be Hoodman actually, which is um, way better actually. That's actually pretty fucking cool. It's not as that's, funny, that's but pretty it's good. definitely awesome. Yeah. Oh Christ! <laughs> not so... as funny, but definitely awesome. It's, it's my lot in life. <laughs> Love it. Love that Hoodman. So Theo looks at a swimming pool, and unfortunately, it reminds oh, no. him of the ex- of uh, the explosion. <laughs> explosion. <laughs> Oh yeah, that time my mum died. And the future, it reminds him of the future, where he does a Patrick <laughs> Bateman impression. I socialize with people I can't stand. I'm relaxed. Personable. I don't indulge in self-pity. It's true what I read. We're so accustomed to disguise ourselves to others, that in the end, we become disguised to ourselves. And it turns out he's yeah. still pining for Pippa. That's a name, right? Pippo. Pip- Pippo. <laughs> it's Pippo. <laughs> it's definitely Pippo. Um, Pretty sure it's but, Pippa. But unfortunately, Pippo is dating a chap. He's oh, lovely. What? So Theo menacingly stares at him. <laughs> he's, um, 
He's a, he's a very lovely, dapper English bloke, isn't he? He's a dapper English man. Oh, no. Our hero is selling dodgy antiques. Yeah, that's a thing. He's yeah. uh, working for Jeffrey Wright, and he's passing off Jeffrey Wright's brilliant restorations as originals. But, oh, no, sinister man who looks like Satan is threatening him. <laughs> Should have seen this coming a mile <laughs> off, really. Hello, I'd like to purchase some of your dodgy antiques. Are you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds great, actually. Well, have a look at this one. I think you'll find it's totally original and authentic and great. Imagine. He meets the... Uh, oh, he meets movie character from earlier, the angry brother, on the street, and he asks how Andy, the little nerdy kid we didn't mention, um, yeah. has been. Yeah, how's Andy, that fucking little nerd? And yeah. they stare at each other for a long time. <laughs> the audio for the next scene starts playing, but yeah. they're just staring at each other on the street for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. Which, which you do. I, I make a point of you doing would. this whenever I catch up, whenever I meet somebody from my childhood. <laughs> you just like to get a good measure of the man and, and stare at him. Drink him up with your eyes. <laughs> I, I always appreciate when someone has the guts to show something being as shit as it would be in real life. Because if I met, if you had died, and I met like someone who used to know the two of us, and they're like, "How's Paul?" I just <laughs> your whole, my horrible brother. If I met someone who knew us both when we were alive, it'd just be like, "Oh yeah, how's Goodman? Oh he's dead." You know, no, it wouldn't even be like that. It'd just be like, "Oh he died." You know, yeah. it'd be shit. It wouldn't be dramatic at all. It'd just yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, dead." Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Anyway, where are you going? Just yeah, you know, it yeah, would it, be like that. It it, it wouldn't be. 10 seconds of oh, mad nobody, dogging. Nobody told you. Oh. I think you better come with me. I'll, I'll explain. I'll give you the one line in the next 10 minutes it takes us to get to the bar. And then we're not going to say anything until we get to the bar. Order our drinks. And then I'll, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'm I'll going to it in my head. Yeah, And I won't fill you in by saying the thing. I'll start a story. They always love being on the water. <laughs> I've already finished my drink. I, I wasn't expecting I've got to go back to work after this this is my lunch <laughs> so yeah andy and movie dad are dead um yeah what does it mean in the greatest scheme of things it won't get mentioned again um it's shit oh, like, it kind it of means. carries into the next scene because um we, he shows him <laughs> movie brother shows him to the sickly nicole kidman we need to go back to the past but unfortunately the future theo doesn't have any swimming pools to look at so he snorts <laughs> some dangerous drugs instead and we're back in in LA with Luke Wilson. Yeah, and I'm and I'm relieved for the st- for the story and what's included in the book, but also annoyed. <laughs> so he meets his new a new Russian friend, the New Order, aka Kid <laughs> from Stranger Things, and it yeah. part two. Actually. And it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who impressed everybody with his authentic Russian accent? Oh boy, authentic Russian boy. <laughs> Originally from Ukraine. Jesus. Yeah. We travel. My father digs mines. People hate us. Everywhere we go because the company promised they won't fuck up the environment. And they fuck up the environment. Imported from Stranger Things! Hit show in Soviet culture! <laughs> so, Boris does all the things that teenage boys do. Uh, he fantasizes about having sex with Sarah Paulson. Um, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, Theo has a run-in with a dodgy Steve Carell-style gangster. Who's Taub from House. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad this is the section we slowed down for. Yeah. <laughs> this is the bit that we'd need to show in actual time, like the novel did. So Theo <laughs> reminds us that his mom died and that they made a movie about it. 
So we get a bit more about that. <laughs> and he remembers the fact that he stole a painting from the exploded art gallery because a dying man told him to. Hey, what mm. you awkwardly flash back to in Vegas? <laughs> Stays there. Look, <laughs> yeah, Luke Wilson is an especially bad dad, bad dad for a while. It gets him to yeah. try and rip off his money. Uh, and then he screams remarkably like Ryan Gosling screams. Oh. God damn it! No! He's really... <laughs> You know, he's drawing inspiration from a lot of great sources in this movie. <laughs> Fucking Ginsberg. So, yeah, uh, Theo and Boris get fucked up on ecstasy and Luke Wilson dies um, in a car- yeah. unrelated car crash. I'm sorry I made those <laughs> things sound connected. Causal- causally. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> and Theo doesn't even go through the sort of requisite PTSD to believe that it's anything to do with him. So, Oh, yeah, because he did really piss him off just before he yeah. drove into the desert and died. That's probably yeah. unrelated. It's not really his fault. But. Nah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I wasn't. But yeah, but it's it's something that a kid might develop a fucked up guilt complex yeah. for. I wasn't accusing anyone. <laughs> I mean, he did suck. Is the thing. Yeah, he's a really, really bad dad. He's a bad dad. Theo runs away from Sarah Paulson and grows up and gets engaged to Nicole Kidman's daughter. It happens to yeah. all of us. <laughs> if you're not careful, I've got my Maybe ticket. You... <laughs> Number a, thou- a thousand and two B. Never gonna get around to that. How many are in A? So, yeah, uh, he meets he meets creepy blackmail guy, the Satan guy, um, who somehow was fucking intuited that he stole the goldfinch. Yes, um, <laughs> it's it's very simple, Paul. Um, it's a, there was a, a a drugs bust that found a damaged copy of a of a of, of the goldfinch, and I cannot follow you, sir. Hobie, <laughs> they know each other, and therefore, why do you go where I cannot follow? <laughs> Come back to Have me. You passed through this lunch meeting. <laughs> Have you passed through this plot? <laughs> so, yeah, he knows he stole the golf lynch. Zom. Um, and he creepily fingers a newspaper article and demands the yeah. painting. Also, also, in addition, unrelated, he finds out that his fiance is cheating on him. Yeah. Um, and is interrupted by the next scene. I think. <laughs> Whilst that's happening. He confronts her in an awkwardly jump-cutty scene. They've been doing this Bonnie and Clyde French New Wave editing style thing here and there, but it's not consistent enough for me to not feel like it's a mistake. <laughs> like, I genuinely think they might have just edited the scene bad, and Aww. it's not a stylistic decision. That particular one felt <laughs> felt intentional. I just like the idea this film is so poorly edited, it feels like a genuine affectation. <laughs> like a nervous twitch. Oh, Christ. Alright, look, don't worry about the affair, or the blackmail, or what happened to Boris, or Sarah Paulson. Uh, he has to take Pippa on a date! Great, mm. where's he gonna take her? Well, she used to be a promising pianist before an, un- before an explosion killed her father figure and fucked up her hands and her head. How about a documentary about great pianists? Why's she crying? <laughs> it's probably because she loves me. <laughs> I better make out with her. So, <laughs> look, don't worry about that. Let's pick up on one of the other threads. What have we got? Oh, Boris! Yeah, okay. Um, oh, he's still... Is he still the only charismatic character? Oh, it's the French guy from Dunkirk. Yeah. That was pretty hot. Wait, did you, what did you say? Is he still the only charismatic character? <laughs> I found him interesting as a kid. Oh, More fuck so that. than... Fl- maybe Luke... Maybe Luke Owen. Sa- Sa- <laughs> Sarah Pilsen for me was... Queen <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Pilsen, yeah. It was pretty good. Oh, Christ, what now? Uh, yeah, he fills us up on some of the backstory and things that have been happening to him. It takes a while. Uh, but it turns out he maybe slept with Sarah uh, Pilsen yeah. after Theo left. Definitely Sarah Pilsen. Interest- which is an interesting image. Um, he apologizes for abandoning him. Mm. 
and will now be a character in the film with half an hour left. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, can't wait to get some some <laughs> real um, characterization going. Great. Turns out Boris stole the goldfinch and sold it, kind of. Yeah. Theo didn't realize this because he never looks at it. Twist. <laughs> yeah. Never opened it. Just fingers the packaging. Crying. Yeah, he just fingers it. He just goes and gives it a finger, like I do with my copy of um, fucking uh, the work of Ralph Macquarie Star <laughs> Wars book, which I can never afford to open. Like you do with your essay on how the Rise of Skywalker is going to be the best film of all time. <laughs> I can't so dare read hope. it. <laughs> <laughs> Theo tells Jeffrey Wright about the stolen painting and he talks about the Im- immortality of um, of art, uh, which makes me think, oh yeah, the novel did have themes that kind of pulled all this together. The novel did a lot, actually. It did quite a lot. Do you know, the I novel mean, talked did... about a lot of things about the goldfinch. <laughs> I mean, it actually strung some of this shit together. Theo is still going to marry Nicole Kidman's daughter, even though that she's cheating, because she'll just keep on cheating and he can keep on doing drugs. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't that satisfying in the books either. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt intentional in the in the book. It felt intentionally disappointing. Yeah. Um. Inten- anyway, we're twenty minutes from the end, so let's try a new genre. Um. <laughs> we're gonna do a weird drug deal art heist thing now, uh, yeah. with guns and Russian gangsters and Amsterdam. No, really, it's still the same film. So it goes wrong. Boris is shot, and Theo kills a guy in self-defense, which he does yeah. while sort of staring disinterestedly in another direction. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says Merry Christmas before pulling a gun on someone. That's where we're at. <laughs> That's where right we're at now. now. And that was Chris- Chuck goldfish. Norris. That was Christopher Norris. So Pulitzer winning novel. <laughs> oh look, we're all caught up to the beginning. Theo is drinking alone in a room, uh, attempting suicide. And finally, we're gonna see the whole museum explosion that's actually the beginning of the novel. And we're gonna see the mother's face. Oh, yeah. you were teasing it. I mean, I read the book, so I knew what happened. I didn't realize that we were meant to be piecing this together, like, in cold blood, and that you were yeah. keeping it for the end. That's weird. Well, I guess yeah. now the audience can feel bad about what Theo actually lost and the trauma he actually experienced. They can feel that during the credits, I guess. Rather than confusion on the back foot. <laughs> Rather than throughout the film. <laughs> yeah. But surprise, it's not the end. Boris shows what? up, not dead, and drags Theo <laughs> towards an exposition dump. <laughs> no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Let not Finn die. Wolfhard anymore. I can pull people. I'm Anurin Barnard, creator of the NHS. <laughs> I proved this message. But it turns <laughs> out everything's fine. And I do mean everything. Boris contrived uh, for the painting to get found and for the bad guys to get arrested. Also, he found a cure for drug addiction and a way for Pippa to love him forever. And his mother wasn't really <laughs> dead. She's here with Dobby the house elf. Merry Christmas. <laughs> the end. That was the goldfinch. Welcome yeah. back, everyone. This was one of those films where I was just constantly thinking how I would have done it differently. You know, just yeah. what I would have taken out and how I would have paced it. Because in particular, the first 10 minutes, I was just thinking I would have lost three quarters of this and stretched out what's left into actual scenes. Yes. This, this is exactly what I was yeah. uh, thinking as I was watching this. The notes I was writing, other than being all about the problem with, with adaptations and the difficult decisions you have to make. On- yes what to include how faithful to be mm. this this film has sort of towed the line of trying to be faithful and in including as much as possible as much as possible as much as possible and yeah. not getting any of it right because it i mean possible is a, it... is a sticky <laughs> phrase to use because clearly it wasn't possible implies a line of a level of success they just imply they just filled it with everything and well, it you can, wasn't you possible can... <laughs> well, you can take a cardboard box and fill it with as many shoes as possible 
and then in the end you <laughs> have to start sellotaping the box because the, the seams have come apart so yeah, yeah it's the the, the 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 movie has it glides through every single moment of this thousand yeah. page novel without giving mm. any of it the time to breathe basically yeah. so you it's don't a bewildering sort of shunt through these scenes yeah so you don't get any my memory of the goldfinch we were talking about mm. this earlier in the week and you were saying that you know yeah. your, your memory of the goldfinch is, is is a lot more vivid than mine um a lot, mm. a lot of the stuff i remember are the emotional beats i remember the the sort of fairy tale wonder of being in hobie's um antique shop um, yeah. and almost feeling like a, a david copperfield learning something from a dickensian tradesman mm. kind of wonder and, and the sort um, of fetishization of objects and art that goes yeah. on in that space and a little bit of that is articulated visually you know when he does enter the workshop we do get this sort of density of the image of all of this furniture yeah. but we're not there for long enough yeah. basically he meets with jeffrey wright and the next thing we know we're in the shop i don't think we yeah. even get a first-hand experience moment there's one moment where hobie is talking theo through the difference between an original and a reproduction yeah. um, which is you know something in the novel is fantastic like a fantasy it is such a mm. wonderful fairy tale moment um mm. of, of theo being delivered from this hardship to something that to something that's sort of simple and and pure that he can focus on that he will later yeah. corrupt <laughs> yeah um, fucking love this novel <laughs> but because of the the nature of the film the fact mm. that so much of this has to be gotten through before yeah. you know it we've leapt forward into the future and and then oh, we Jesus, then we're back yeah. to the past so we can focus on something else and mm. it just there are just There's... so few moments in there that properly get across what made the novel great yeah and all go- all eyes go to the director john crowley who directed brooklyn which was really yeah. great I loved brooklyn. um i think screenwriter peter strowan has some explaining to do he he wrote the debt which did multiple timelines really well mm. remember the whole future passing in the debt oh yes the debt yeah of course that yeah was good. That was good. And he wrote Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which did a fabulous job of condensing a very big novel into a very effective film. Um, He wrote Frank, which had a really Really? great unconventional narrative and was really entertaining. uh, With unusual leads. So he seems uniquely qualified, but he wrote this and he wrote The Snowman. And we've got similar issues here. The Snowman has the further disadvantage of being unfinished. but (laughs) So there's that. There's that, but there are problems that carry through. And I know I yeah. ragged on this movie for being for moving too fast, but there's also no way that the movie's box office was not affected by its length. Two and a half yeah. hours. Me and Katie had two chances to go and see this, and on both we ultimately decided we were too tired because we just couldn't stomach that length for a yeah. bad movie. We were curious because we both liked the novel. So we were curious yeah. how, how could they have messed this up, and I wanted to find out, but... Two and a half hours was just too much of an ask, <laughs> even for like, the bad movie crowd. Yeah, I mean the the, the problem is it, it it's got to be so hard to to make an adaptation. You, yeah. You, to to convey to convey the emotions that one gets when reading a book to to mm. cinema is a very delicate business. And in this, it feels like you know that the the book is a is a crushing war of attrition on mm. on yourself as, as you're as, as theo trying to deal you know with the the, the grief and the guilt and and yeah. you know the, the 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 realization and his arc is 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 just crushing and the way yeah. it feels like this was translated into film was just by talking slowly and being sad and, <laughs> yeah. and 
it, it means that not only is the film two and a half hours and but and moves at a fair old clip, but it's yeah. it is so listless mm. in, in in its delivery. So it's, yeah. it's, it's it's the least exciting whiplash you could ever get. I mean, it, it's tricky because early on they actually identified a single line of really strong theme of the book, which is the idea that once the mother died, that was his compass point towards a life that he thought he wanted. And once that was mm. gone, he didn't know how to find happiness or what direction you know he felt he should be moving in or if that's even what yeah. he deserved or wanted. Yeah. And the way they try to articulate that in the book is to make everything too dense and complicated for Theo to feel a pull in any one direction. And so you've yes. got too many elements, which is fine in a 700-page novel. Movies yeah. struggle to be sprawling. You have enough time yes. to do one thing well, and any subplots you have need to be guiding everything to that singular purpose. Yes. Um, this needs to be a story totally and completely about loss and regret, or lack of direction. Yes. Lack of direction is hard to do in a movie, and it's usually better achieved through a lack of elements rather than a surfeit. Yes. You know, it's because otherwise it just feels jumbled and hectic, like he's just not paying attention to anything that's going on. Yeah. Like, is he still thinking about his cheating girlfriend when he's talking to the guy who wants to sue him for um, selling bad yeah. property? Is he still thinking about that when he's seeing his old Russian friend who wants to involve him in an art heist? It's... You know, there's no continuity, which is what a book achieves with an inner voice. This would be better um, adapted into a series, I think, because you That's could then what I spend. Think. You could yeah. you could take the time to to properly explore every single one of these themes. And yeah. well, that the fact the book is actually really episodic. You know, an yeah. episode about Theo's young life leading up to the explosion, an episode with the barbers, an episode in Vegas, an episode with older Theo in New York, and an episode in Amsterdam. Six hour-long yes. episodes. The BBC could have done this really well. You know, like yeah. Night Manager style thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, but as it is, it's it's what's been done is instead put it into this two and a half hour movie to try and get everything, yeah. everything done. But yeah, it needed to be two hours at most. It needed to mm. just be a straight yeah. story with a couple of offshoots. Because when I think of sprawling movies, I actually just think of long movies that um, cover you know that that just cover a lot of ground so you know like the godfather or something how did the personal history of david copperfield work so well because it, it's similar to this it's got so many characters and we're rocketing around the place but it has that humor and it has that drive in which every episode feels like it fuels the next it doesn't do a narrative yeah. skip no it doesn't do like, that either it sticks with one person's experience all the way through their life yeah yeah it's it's God. so disorientating yes. to to have Theo very slowly move through childhood and then go to adulthood for twenty minutes and then go back to childhood and it serves yeah. no purpose. It, no. Ge- it genuinely serves no purpose. It um, doesn't feed into or demonstrate how. It just feels like something that's been done for the audience's sort of bamboozlement. It doesn't make sense of his journey. If you think of yeah. something with a complicated you know narrative structure like Memento. The purpose of yeah. doing that is to put the audience in the shoes of the hero who is experiencing his life the way that we are experiencing his story. There's yeah. nothing... I don't see... I mean, if the framing narrative is old Ansel Egort is commit, c- contemplating suicide and is reflecting on the, the story that led him here, there's no reason I can see for him to bounce back and forth between childhood and adulthood. No, see, see how everything... Cause and effect. See how it all develops and see how it shapes him. Um, yeah. 
or, or like the only time you could be going back and forth is if you wanted to frame it in a way of here's his experience and here's how it's affected affected him in yeah if you could day. make it cause and effect directly so he meets a character in his childhood boom adult equivalent and then keep yeah. that kind of echo yeah. or that kind of grammar it needs to yeah. fit it needs to be like a sentence with commas and full stops and a yeah. structure that makes sense this is just chaos yeah considering mm. that it's just one skip back and uh, forward and yeah. then back um, yeah. And I actually thought, when, when they skipped forward, I, I thought, oh, that's jarring. But oh, they're not going to go with Boris. Okay, well, yeah. sure. That's that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a huge... That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's a huge thing. But okay, I'm down with it. Let's just see where this goes. Oh, no, we are, we're back. And now we've got Boris. And, yeah. and for the love of God, every every second of child acting in this was cringeworthy. <laughs> I, I couldn't hack it, I Paul. was okay for some of it. I, I kind it of boyhood. liked our lead. I kind of liked our lead guy. He had no. some bad moments, real bad moments, and his dialogue was not good. But moments of quietness, like his moment with Pippa after she goes back to sleep, and he's just in her room listening to Beethoven, I was on board with him. And what he was bringing, the, the kind of sadness. only time I liked him mm. was when he was with Pippa. Mm. Or the, when he was with Pippa or with Jeffrey Wright, and that's because yeah. Jeffrey Wright's fantastic, and Pippa was actually really great. Nicole Kidman was an interesting presence in this. Because I don't, I can't remember the character very much. She's kind of like a Mrs. Havisham style character, sort of going a bit crazy on her own near the end of the novel. Because yeah. the, the novel is very Dickensian, sort of by design, with outlandish yeah. uh, coincidences and run-ins and such. So I think she's meant to be an imperfect substitute for the mother. I think that was meant to be her purpose. Yeah. She's like the, the mirror image of the mother who's not quite there, and she represents what the kid, Theo, can't really have. Anymore. But I didn't get that at all from no, the movie. She's just this strangely pristine, like laminate body. Yeah. Who gives him a gives him sympathy once and <laughs> and then just stands in doorway staring at him as if he were a freak. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> she. She didn't belong in this movie. There are a few people. I, I said to you that I was compiling a list of mm. who I think should have been in it instead of right. X. But the more I watched it, the the more I thought, you know, I, I didn't think Jeffrey Wright was right at first because mm. he was too dapper. And, and confident for Hobie, but he oh. really, by the end, I really felt like he was Hobie. Mm. Um, like near the end when he's um, like falling over himself, trying to trying to absolve Theo and is saying, oh, yeah. it's probably my fault for not saying this and this. It, it felt very much Hobie. In any case, this could have been a good film as well. You don't need to make it into a TV show, but you need to embrace the yeah. fact that adaptation is an act of destruction. And yes. you have to start tearing out pages, moving things around. Nothing is sacred. Fuck everything, because... If it's too sacred, what you're working with, you're never going to be able to make something with it. You're just yes. illustrating it, you know, like an artist drawing paintings for the for the inserts of the pages. That's what you're going to say. Drawing inserts for the poor, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not art. That's not expression. You need to yeah. find out what the essence of this thing is. Tear the fucking heart out of this thing. Yeah, the thing that is making you want to turn it into a movie, and then yeah. go and make a movie out of that. And disregard what you left behind. Yeah, the movie isn't the book. The, the book has to be cast aside. What's the book at heart? It's about a boy who loses his mother and lives into young adulthood, unable to figure out how to be happy or if he should, even should be. Fine. Yeah. The story plays out in the context of an art theft because yeah. the painting he has stolen is analogous to what he has lost and what he yes. is ashamed to show to the world. Great. Take that. Make a movie out of it. Everything else is furniture. Boris, um, New York, even Hobie, everything. It's just pieces of furniture in order to dress the set so you can explore this story. 
Tell a new story with it. There, when when you have say you have a hundred discrete points in a book that mm. um like that you then want to bring to screen, every one of these is going to be interpreted differently and read differently by the reader, mm. and, and every little moment looks differently in every reader's mind mm. because that that is the you know the wonder of the subjective nature of reading, and yeah. and, and so every every little every extra iota that you are faithful to the book in a movie is one more yeah. point that you are drawing away from the sort of everyone else's individual experiences of re- reading this yeah. novel so it's, it's it's extra tricky for that as well yeah so you, you really are better just 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 taking it and making it its own thing to the point where yeah people don't even don't even associate the two i i i, yeah. I read fight club and i, I never think about that <laughs> book it's it's yeah, it it is secondary to the film. It, it's interesting because when you do adapt a very popular novel and a novel that a lot of people love, the audience will have brought their own sort of baggage with them, and yes, that's gonna be a barrier between them and appreciating whatever whatever it is you've done, even if you have made yeah. a good movie. And you know, it's one of the reasons that Kubrick most of his movies were adaptations of novels. Very few of them were popular. You know, Lolita mm. and The Shining, fair enough. Two thousand one was a short story in a in a you know magazine at the point when he adapted it um mm. Arthur C. Clarke wrote the book simultaneously so for the most part and dispatches for full metal jacket you know for the most part he adapted yeah. under read books where he didn't mm. you know admire the novel or think they were brilliant novels particularly with the shining which i think is what pissed Sten- uh, stephen king off so much yeah. um he, he, ad- he found stories <laughs> he needed a scary car and hedge monsters to come to life he <laughs> would find stories that resonated with him he didn't care about language he didn't care about you know in fact i think probably for him the worse the language the more it appealed to him so and that's what <laughs> yeah. he would try and adapt and i think that makes I, sense adapt bad books <laughs> do you remember what die hard is based on no no one does I, i'd really just love to see how john crowley would have mm. adapted the goldfinch as you know his own movie how do you mean? Well, exactly what we've been talking about. That rather mm. than making it as a, a faithful adaptation of a book, okay. but ma- making it as what he sees to be the essence of of the Goldfinch. Yeah, if Crowley and Strahan had gotten together on this, but I mean, Tinker Taylor is a very faithful adaptation. So I think this is just the way that Strahan writes about faithfulness can you know, work. Yeah, I guess if you just keep the spirit and you, because a big thing in cinema is stretching the moment. David Fincher talks about yeah. this. When you watch yeah. any given moment, and David Finch, of course, you know, responsible for directing one of the, uh, a very fine adaptation of a novel that, again, language was not such an important thing to be preserved because of the nature of mm. the prose, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Fight yeah. Club. And Fight Club, yeah. Yeah, he's adapted loads of novels this way. And he knows that when you're directing a movie, you've got, and Gone Girl, yep, he, he has a habit of elevating kind of um, slightly yeah. pulpy material into real golden stuff. Yeah, he knows that in a movie you stretch the moment you make yes. the character and the audience feel like they're living in a particular moment and by doing that you achieve this great airlessness if the movie yeah. isn't thinking about the fact that it has two and a half hours of runtime ahead you don't think about it it's yeah. like when you watch a sergio leone movie there's almost a kind of indulgence to no fuck yeah. it we're gonna stay in this bar I don't care we've got more story to tell. We're going to stay here because this scene is tense and it's cool and we're staying yes. here until it plays out. Yes, exactly. And that's what you need to do when you adapt. When you make any kind of movie, adaptation or otherwise, and this movie just felt like it had 700 pages to get through. It knew it knew exactly how many scenes it had to do and it was just a yeah. 
just a slog, a trudge from beginning to end. Yeah. Where we knew, uh, come on, guys, I know we want to spend some more time here. Um, where yeah. we're getting to know Theo, but <laughs> we've got to meet Boris, everyone. <laughs> we've got to keep going. Yeah, and this this is it. All I I made the note that I I, I just wanted the soundtrack to I just wanted the score to stop for a couple of minutes and yeah. for the film just to relax into a scene. And if mm. it was going to go with this, then maybe. I'm not saying in in terms of narrative or storytelling, but a Malikian directing style where the camera's more mm. dy- um, the camera is more loose and 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 panning mm. or something. But it's to, to, just to, to to try and sort of expedite the plot by um, by changing up the directing style a little bit. But um, mm. I mean, we had excellent cinematography. We've got Roger Deakins. Roger here Deakins, yeah. It does it does look beautiful. It's just that it doesn't feel like. There's no time for his characteristic camera movement, you know, or um, tracking no. shots or interest because it's just so choppily edited. It, it, it feels like you you are looking through the most expensive pane of glass in the world. Yeah. But it's just a construction plot that's just sunk into the swamp. Yeah. Oh, fuck it. All right, let's quick fire. All right. Quick fire. I enjoyed the efficient evocation of story, the welcoming into this universe, into this world. That was achieved with the opening line In Amsterdam, I dreamt I saw my mother again. I'm in. I'm I'm in this world again. When Thea goes to his new family, new Nicole Kidman family, um, yeah. I really enjoy the dad very quickly offering a minor nip uh, to Theo oh, to, yeah. keep, to calm him down. <laughs> in the circumstances, I wouldn't see the harm in pouring you what my father used to call a minor nip, if you should want some, which, of course, you don't. <laughs> Quite unsuitable. It's quite good. It's quite good that he's just so uncomfortable around this, you know, this new presence in the house. Felt quite natural. Nicole Kidman's hair was very pretty in those early scenes. I really liked her (laughs) her young haircut. It was, uh, yeah, good stuff. Oh, sorry, just to tie it in because this one's so shit. I can't justify it taking up its own turn. Um, In the apartment, in the um, Amsterdam apartment, when we're panning around the chaos, and I think Mm. the idea is to communicate to the audience just how lost and depressed he is. We quickly see a bag of Piper's Crisps. <laughs> I fucking love Piper's Crisps. So oh. I thought that was good. I thought that was a good thing. Man can't be that sad if he's gone to the effort of buying Piper's Crisps. Yeah, he could have just bought fucking Walkers or a pack of Monster Munch or something. He he shelled out a pound for a bag of Piper's. No one truly depressed has ever bought a packet of Monster Munch, Paul. You can't, you can't <laughs> suspend disbelief. I refer and, um... you to my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> From the rear, I thought the mum did look kind of how I imagined her. And, ah. and and then the rear is the, how what we see of her for the mo- for most of the film. It's just him following her in flashbacks. Yeah. I thought, oh yeah, that's kind of. I feel like that's his mum. Yeah, I did find it weird how Donna Tartt spent so much time describing the mom's ass, but um, <laughs> no, you're right. It was worth it. Paid off in the end. Yeah, the apartment scene is pretty horrible. I hate that idea. The idea that. He's got to go back to the apartment where he spent the worst night of his life waiting to hear if his mum was alive. You know, mm. and his fucking horrible lunch is still on the counter and all rotten. And there's like a drink yeah. there. It's And he says something like... Lipstick I was on the I, cup. Yeah, and he says, I meant to clean up whilst I was waiting for her. And it's just, it's horrible. I hate that. I Yeah. yeah. I feel like I never yeah. want to go back again. Not ever. Not after the person's gone. It would just cut to you standing in front of the apartment block as it burns to the ground. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dead yet. No, there aren't. <laughs> not anymore. No, but you will be. <laughs> and I'm never coming back. You're a weird child. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it out, you son. The the the, the croak monsieur sort of sandwich that he eats at Hobie. Yep, I've got best. it. 
It's the best looking thing in the movie. It's a very good looking toasty. I'd have pressed it a little thinner, but it's yeah. it's very very pleasant. I like that a lot. Isn't there's no cheese glooping out of it like a like balloon in a knackered old football is there? But <laughs> I won't. I'm not going to judge it on that. It shows there's maybe not enough cheese. Oh god! You know when the cheese seeps out of it and kind of grills a little bit on the pan, yeah, and becomes like a flat oh, thing as part. Oh, crisps. Anyway. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh fuck you. Yeah. Fuck it. Um. Oh, Christmas, yeah. oh Chris, well, let me read some more dinner tart <laughs> description of that sandwich in that rear. Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> yeah. I-, I liked him. I liked everything he was doing. So this one is fake. <laughs> no, it's only fake if you try to pass it off as an original. This is a reproduction and. Not a very good one. The things you can do to help the reimagining. Period wood, acid, gold-sized lamp black. You can you can rust old nails in salt water. The new one's flat. It's dead. But this one, glow. That's hundreds of years of being touched, used. That's life. He was a lovely old man. I loved his costume. It looked very cozy. And I just always love Jeffrey Wright. I love it when he shows up in a thing. And he's got a very lovely manner to him in this. Very sort of, yeah, substantial. Yeah. Really grow me. Bespoke depths. Mm-hmm. I love that the bespoke depth he brings to everything. <laughs> um, I teared up when um, Hobie opens the door to Theo when he runs away from Vegas um, to see yeah. Jeffrey Wright standing there. That was... Yeah. That was... Genuinely emotional because it, it was yeah. like, oh, thank fuck, we're back with Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> yeah, it's all gonna be okay now. Sarah Paulson can't get you now. <laughs> <laughs> what about Sarah Pilson? Well, <laughs> we're in God's hands now. Don't say her name three times whilst looking in the mirror. You'll be fine. Because it reminds me of Sarah Pilson, and I just don't do not want that. <laughs> Beethoven's Emperor uh, reminded me of Liszt's Francis of Assisi, which is a very good piece of music. I'm sure that mm. Beethoven's fine. <laughs> Better for it's too. Whatever. Well, speaking of music, I really like the score, and I know it was relentless and was doing most of the emotional heavy lifting here. Um, but I thought it was good. It was a a good ominous kind of feel to a lot of the thing. Yeah. A good sort of lack of uh, resolution. It wasn't going to offer an easy sort of feel good mm. moment. That score, and I like that. I, I did find that I was trying so hard to block it out because it was so constant that I, I just couldn't appreciate it anymore. Yeah. But so I'll have to go back and listen to it. I liked the kid a lot more once he got better glasses because <laughs> I, I started to feel like he um, wasn't a nerd. It felt like the character was just embodying whether the character was growing up and becoming less of an insufferable boyhood character. <laughs> um, it just it just. Just felt like I got a way better sense of his character after that, yeah. but it did also get um get across sort of Ansel Egort's Theo, who right. was a very stylish motherfucker. Oh yeah, that's I've another heard. one of my good things coming up is that fuck he does look cool in in uh, his Kingsman outfit. <laughs> He's yeah. got a bit of a Killian Murphy it, vibe going on. Yeah, it does make me think I should brush my hair once. <laughs> no, it's not worth it. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not Ansel Egort, and I just have to accept that. <laughs> I'm I'm, it's just I'm Paul Goodman. 
the scraggly host of one good I thing. enjoyed the strange sense of intimacy of having a classic painting shoved into a bag. You know, there's a bit where he unzips the yellow bag and it's just there and you can see the brush strokes and you get a sense of how important it is. The idea that this thing is 400 years old and here it is, it's in your hand. Not something that any of us, yeah. you know, should experience is the idea of holding mm. something just raw, you know, finger on paint in your hands. And there was, it gave it a terrible sense of fragility and a real sense of power, which it should have because this is the MacGuffin of the plot. And if you're going to have a MacGuffin, at the very least, it should be absolutely yeah. inherently tied into the main theme of the movie, which, yeah, they tried. Yeah. Does that then transcend it from MacGuffin to not MacGuffin? I don't think so, because it, it still is the thing that drives the plot and has all of the characters interacting with. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. MacGuffin isn't always a slur. Yeah, I thought it was implied in the name that it was it had no attachment to plot or character. That it was arbitrary. I don't think so. I think it's just a yeah. thing that fuels the plot. Yeah, so necessary to plot and motivation of characters, but yeah. insignificant, unimportant, or irrelevant in itself. I mean, the fact that yeah. it is a painting is definitely significant. So there's one particular moment, actually, when he's in Hobie's um, mm. antique den. Um, Hobie's antique den. Yeah. Come get your shit. <laughs> um, where he just says, hey, you, you like old things, mm. uh, Theo. You must like, and then blah, 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 trails off. Yeah. But it's the camera's on Theo and you see him smile. And that might be the first time that he smiles in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He sort of cocks an eyebrow. and looks like a fucking sex machine. Um, <laughs> Fuck, that was a He's just kid. got a little personality all of a sudden. <laughs> and suddenly I found the child bearable. Cool. It was a really nice moment. Great. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm not the kind of person who... Im- I, I don't tend to imagine things very viscerally. You know, at the moment I'm reading like The Golden Compass and most of the adults are just shapes. <laughs> In my head. Like balloons with no face. Yeah, exactly. That's fine by me. But yeah, same. one moment I had where um, suddenly I just saw it and it looked exactly as I remember imagining it is when we first see Las Vegas and the neighborhood that he's living in. Yes. That's precisely how I saw it. The desolation, the emptiness, the fear- sheer fucking space of everything. And there was some really yeah. good photography of the desert neighborhood at night. There's a scene where the kid has to go and... Um, dump a bunch of rubbish down the road and whilst he's out there I just got such a sense of place of yeah I know what that would feel like to walk down that road and that was nice that was a good feeling yeah that was really great I liked the Thanksgiving dinner moment with um, Sarah Pilson you want me to change the reservation or not I never said I didn't want you to come I never said you did what are you two really going to do anyway we'll probably just watch TV here do you want me to bring you those cocktail sausages and the hot wings that you like? Great. Cool. I'll hook you up. And it's crap, but it's sweet. She says, I'll and hook you like, up at the end of it. So, and yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It is quite it's sweet. It's like one step away from a fist bump. That was my, that was my scene I liked of Sarah Paulson. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. That's good. Excellent. Uh, I've already said that. Oh yeah, grown up Pip- uh, Pippo's um, Ashley Ashley Cummings plays uh, grown Pippo, yeah. and her big ginger hair with a fringe that was great. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else about Ashley Cummings? No, um, no, she gives a very endearing, if somewhat, um, I don't know, slightly. No, it's not. Qu- uh, there's elements of the depth that Tart gave her of just being this really tragic and kind of forlorn figure yeah. but she is still a little bit fetishized as this kind of golden standard thing to crave but never get you know she's she's a bit perfect you know 
isn't isn't that how it feels when you when you're infatuated I with somebody so. before you actually do get them? Yeah. Um, it's just that she never it, she really never, resonated with me. She never gets that moment of sort of becoming a you know a real human being. She just feels like the golden thing that he can't have. But mm. eh, it's fine. And she had a great fringe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked every scene with her and Theo. It actually brought brought more out of Ansel Elgort. I thought. My favorite or the Luke Wilson moment I liked that made me that that mm. really made me buy into him as the dad was the he's been doing all this weaseling. He gets Theo to give him his IRS his social security number, um, his IRS number yeah. is um, bad for a twelve year old. <laughs> yeah, because he wants to set up a savings account. Gives him his fucking pension. Yeah, <laughs> and it's revealed that he's he's actually trying to draw um, money yeah. out of his mum's um, like w- will college account. fund college yeah. fund yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but using the social security number, and you know it's awful yeah. weaseling. And he, this is all revealed when he has Theo call his mum's lawyer for the money. And yeah. you know it's really horrible for Theo to turn around and look at his dad, and you know just realize yeah. that he's a piece of a piece of shit, and he's he's not hitting him just yeah. because Theo's fucking up. He's hitting it because he's a piece of yeah. shit. And um, yeah. when he's getting Theo to call the mum's lawyer, he slips between groveling and furious, but not apologetic. And I found that really. Yeah. Striking. Well, why do I have to do it? I mean, it's... Hey, you're gonna do this, all right? You've got to. I'm in a real fucking tight spot here. Do you understand that? This opportunity could go away if I don't get on it right now. Stop. Stop with the crying. It's all about fear. There's no trying to worm worm their way back in. And it was different to see that, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I found it very striking. Yeah, he's a bad dad. A I, bad I must dad. say, one of the things I wrote down is that I remembered how satisfying it was in the book, and it was equally satisfying here, to just see Luke Evans' plan. Not Luke Evans? Uh, Luke Wilson's <laughs> What do I want you to do? Plan. Is <laughs> telephone the just lawyer. Falling, <laughs> just falling apart before his eyes. Yeah. Um, it's really great because he's been such a dick, and now he's being exposed, but also his plan is not going to work. He's not going to yeah. be able to get his hands on his son's money. Yeah. And just... That great feeling of just, yeah, fuck you. You ain't getting Fuck this. you, man. <laughs> fuck this guy. It's not going to work out for him. I'm glad. My next one is, there's a scene where they're in school. There's one scene where they're in school. Yeah. And they're talking about Henry David Thoreau, uh, presumably having read Walden. <laughs> All the kids are talking about what a shitty idea it is to go and live in nature. Yeah. And just the look on the teacher's face of sheer horror <laughs> and comedic anger at the students who have just so thoroughly missed... So thoroughly Miss Faroe, um, thoroughly missed um, his his whole point of the novel. is just, it was really, yeah, it was quite amusing for a, a one scene character to have had such a sort of big moment. <laughs> Aw, that's nice, kind of. Um, um, there's, there's a scene where Theo's getting a gift. I think it's for Pippa, but he doesn't give it to her in the end. Um, he gets this oh. first edition. Um of um, oh, yeah. the Odyssey, no, he gets this first edition. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, and the love and affection in the eye of the book dealer who's selling it to him. You, you really mm. get a sense that she loves books. Oh, cool. <laughs> she loves books. <laughs> she should. Oh, you know what? We should pair her up with the teacher who loved Henry David Thoreau. Oh, They'd never get on. Love story for the. <laughs> They'd hate each other. All right, look, Boris, unrealistic as a boy, <laughs> is this unrealistic boy? boy. Is Finn Wolfhard unrealistic boy? But. It's kind of cool. Kind of liked him. He's got an angular face, super angular face. Is that Finn Wolfhard? 
long dishevelled hair. He's kind of cool in that Tim Burton, Neil Gaiman, Tom Hiddleston kind of beatnik English teacher way. <laughs> in a way that I quite responded to. And mm. although the performance was quite broad and the accent wasn't really working, he's still such a supportive and nice character from the book. He's just such yeah. a, a welcome change of pace from all the people who just... And, and it's such a nice idea, the idea of you can find fellowship in an outcast, in a kind of someone you don't have anything in common with other than the fact that you're both not quite fitting into the environment you're in. And yeah. you can forge a friendship based on solely that and your shared humanity is nice. And I liked the two kid actors together. I liked seeing them together, which mm. is handy because it was a lot of the fucking film. It does help, yeah. It's a big old slice. Yeah. Boris is an amazing character in the book. I've um, just got to say that it just didn't mm. didn't do anything for mm. me at all in the movie. Just found everything really it contrived and jarring. Uh, um, only some scenes I found contrived, largely of them being happy, which luckily isn't much of the book <laughs> of the film. Fortunate, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank if God. you pause it, you can really see the moment where you, where Theo breaks Hobie's heart. It's um, <laughs> oh. when Ho- Hobie's trying to explain away Theo's mistakes, and yeah. he goes, "Tell me it was not true, Theo, that you took the painting." I don't, know, don't know what to tell you, Hobie, or something like that. Oh, Hobie, yeah. I've tried yeah. to do what's best, yeah. and you just see him go. Pff, pff. Yeah, um, that's a sad moment. Boris looked cool when he shot those guys. That was pretty neat. Cool. When he just whips out the revolver from his sock and um, shoots a couple of guys, felt out of place. Felt weird that we had an action beat here. <laughs> yeah. But um, hey, it was still looked. Yeah, cool. Anyan Barnard, I, I I quite liked actually. I thought he was he's good. A much mm. much more uh, enjoyable performance. As, a, as an adult. I preferred the kid. Really? <laughs> yeah, we're on opposite Fuck sides me, of this. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> there's no time for this now. You just carry on. <laughs> I, I, there's one moment where Boris asks Theo, are you happy? And he just goes, not very. Yeah. But yeah, that feels, that feels about right for, <laughs> for life in general, but also for this story. <laughs> I like the museum explosion when we finally see it. The way that the smoke just sort of billows out of the door and swallows up the white, pristine kind of walls of the museum. That worked pretty yeah. cool. That looked good. I had a, a bit of a, a coronavirus bandwidth issue. Um, so Shit. there's a bit of buffering going on for, um, for this movie. And there's yeah. one, at one point where Theo gets pulled out of his dream or he's literally and literally pulled off the bed by Boris, mm. it paused exactly like a perfectly edited scream. <laughs> it, right. it was amazing <laughs> oh no it's got me now <laughs> now yes. I'm Paul Salt post of one good thing fuck my last good thing is the very end where we finally revisit the mm. moment just before the explosion and I was really impressed by it they, they they have the moment where they hold up They the two people come up next to each other it's um Holby's partner mm. because of a W Welker Something like that. Um, he's there with Pippa, with Pippo. We have our hero, Ansel, <laughs> who's there with Theo, is there with his yeah. mum. And they stop in front of the goldfinch and they just stand and stare at it. And you yeah. know that this is their last minute together. That in a moment, the mum has to go off and die to start the whole story in motion. Yeah. Um, which is why it would have been so... Imagine if this had been, if that had been the first scene of a multi-part drama and then after six yeah. episodes you end the whole thing by coming Master. back to this initial moment that would have been so powerful but it would have been a great bookend it would have been great and but we just stay here for a while and it's like and we can in memory and yeah. in movie we're allowed to just stay here as long as we need to before we move on and do the rest of everything 
And that that really got to me. That was a very strong moment. And that final shot, which, again, stretches the time. Just stays there as long as you need to be there. You know, kind of like the final shot of Call Me By Your Name. Only less, you know, emotionally devastating. Yeah, it was just really good. It was a really impressive moment. Just took the time to to realize itself. It's such a melancholy thought that eventually, with your loved ones eventually it'll just be a collection of memories that you're left with very much like this one which is all he now has of his mother is this last moment very melancholy but again just didn't hold back didn't move on quickly although i will say could have been a little longer (laughs) (laughs) just could have been a little bit longer it was about 30 seconds i think but we could have stayed here for a bit maybe even run the credits over it fuck it you know but anyway it was yeah it was good it it was it was good it's it's not too bad to be left wanting more with something like that. Yeah, sure. Okay, I think we're just about ready to stop talking about the fucking goldfinch. Um, Christ, let's not do adaptations of books we love every week. Uh, well, we got the main points of uh, the problems of adapting a book, so we just refer people back to this in future. Yeah, um, <laughs> true. Did the one did the one good team get in touch? <laughs> get in touch. Call us. Has anyone called? We got we we got one good person from the one good team um, uh-huh. right in. It's, it's Katie, the idiot. Be- one the of the best persons. With. The usurper. <laughs> the new Paul. Um, Diet Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that reflects badly on, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't say anything. It's an enigma wrapped in an Funny insult. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tastes great, though. Yeah. Um, well, Katie, mm. usurper to the throne, says, the only thing I can say is I hope it gets more people to read the book. And, and, and it might do. Yeah, it, it might may do. do. It might might get people to see what the fuss is about. Yeah. Um, I thought you said steal what the fuss is about. To steal what I the s- fuss is about. Get it out of that museum. Eat it. Fuck it. I don't know. That's, that sounds like it could end up in the Oxford English Dictionary in about 20 years time so a few people hear it today on the podcast then they start using it accidentally and then it becomes a saying in its own right let's do the one better thing alright the one better thing very quickly uh, an, exa- an example of a lifetime with perfect pacing and detail would be Barry Lyndon um, ah. speak of, speaking of Kubrick yeah based on a Thackeray novel if I remember correctly ah okay yeah. well perfect pacing focus on the most important aspects of the story uh, and just the most it's the most gripping movie for it. It's quite different yeah. to the Goldfinch in terms of emotional reach and what it's aiming for, but it's a really great template for any movie of this nature. It shows how important the right directorial approach is to a story. Um, and speaking of that right approach, I think two things sprang to mind. First of all, just on a superficial level, if you want a good story about art heists, then you have to watch um, Marielle Heller's Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, a really great movie mm. about a character who suddenly yep. decides to embark on the dangerous world of forging literary, literary letters. And it's yeah. just an absolute masterpiece of performance from Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, as well yes. as direction and writing. It's about a, a noose tightening around someone's neck, and it's terrifying. But if we want to talk about a great book that's adapted into a great movie, and is actually amazingly written by the novelist, which is usually a recipe for disaster because they're too precious about their own work, mm-hmm. well, we can talk about Room. Um, the 2015 mm. Lenny Abrahamson film written by Emma Donoghue based on her novel perfectly manages to capture the voice without too much voiceover, which is a crutch. 
really. But um, yes. uh, one of the great things about the novel, though, is that it is written from this child's perspective. And so mm. you could see how an, um, a novelist would think, no, these words must be preserved. But no, Abrahamson knows the way that we do this now is that we need to visually capture this from a child's perspective. Yes. And that child in question is Jacob Tremblay, who is a really fine actor in this, great child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brie Larson as her, his mother. It's about um, a mother and son who seem to be stuck in a room for reasons that become clear as it goes on. It's a brilliant, brilliantly paced, incredibly moving and affecting uh, story. The one better thing. How can people find out more about these sleepy boys? Uh, Twitter and Facebook, OGT Pod. Um, we're on all good podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and the rest. Hey, yeah. we're doing a Patreon every week, almost. Every and uh, for week. as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive content. Um, it's just gone up is a discussion on some of our highlights from the 2019 period. Of, yeah. Uh, specifically, Booksmart and the death of Dick Long. Um, give, give, just give those films <laughs> a little bit more love and attention than yeah. they would usually get. Um, sort of being in the mid felt good in the, like the, the teens of our top 30 list yeah it felt so, yeah, good um, giving a bit more love to dick long yeah he's giving it to dick, dick long, long all the dick long love. day all the Everyone. dick long day hey you babes at home <laughs> all the dick long day death long deeds your dick and god i was just just seeing which words came out and uh, the, <laughs> all the best ones did. the results did not disappoint um so yeah that's that's there we've got more stuff coming out we're working on another pool's pitch um yeah. We've got so, a surprise yeah. going up pretty soon. Yeah. Even I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> um, okay. Oh. This secret keeper over here. <laughs> um, it's never seen the light of day. Yeah. Thanks very much. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, one good thing about the goldfinch is the thing that you smuggled out of the museum all along.